0: Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation and all together we can be hopefully sustainable. Hi everyone! Thank you for joining me for another episode of Hopefully Sustainable. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to take a minute to address the awful hate crime that occurred in Atlanta on March 16th. Living in Atlanta myself, this shooting truly hit close to home. I wanted to express my solidarity with the AAPI community. I had the opportunity to attend a prayer rally hosted by the Asian American Christian Collaborative this past weekend, and it was an extremely moving event. While everyone can express their support of the AAPI community in a variety of ways, I wanted to offer a few of the suggestions that they provided. First, support your local Asian owned businesses and restaurants because They have been especially hurt by the pandemic. Second, get involved with local organizations who are working to support the AAPI community. If you are in any financial position to do so, there are many great places to donate. While this isn't an exhaustive list, I have linked a really great resource in the show notes with statistics, updates, educational resources, allyship resources, and mental health resources, amongst other really great information. When it comes to sustainability, this movement is nothing without everyone. So thank you for listening. I encourage everyone to check out the resource that I have linked in the show notes. Now to transition to today's episode, I am speaking with father-daughter duo, Ken and Honka Kirby. They are both members of Citizens Climate Lobby, a nonprofit, nonpartisan, grassroots advocacy organization focused on national policies to address climate change solutions. Throughout today's episode, Ken and Honka are going to explain the lobbying process, the bipartisan climate change solution that the group is currently working to gather endorsements from members of Congress on, and the value of bringing everyone on the political spectrum together in the fight against climate change. As a father and daughter who are both passionate about sustainability, Ken and Honka are the perfect example of how families or friends can come together, share their passions, and create real change. This was a really interesting episode and I feel like everyone can take away something. So time to meet Ken and Honka. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Hopefully Sustainable. Today, I am joined by a father-daughter duo who are working together to fight climate change. Ken and Honka, thank you for being here today. Can you both introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about who you are?
1: Well, thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to talk about our organization. My name is Honka Kirby, and I'm a third-year public policy major at Georgia Tech. And I recently started a Citizens Climate Lobby chapter there, um, which I am a co-president of. So I'm really excited to talk about that today.
2: And uh, my name's Ken. I have been involved with uh, Citizens Climate Lobby for uh, two about two years. And uh, I have recently started in the position of a group leader with the Forsyth County chapter. I'm uh, By day, I'm a software developer and I've got, uh, you know, my wife here and my my daughter i've got two other sons
0: great so as you both mentioned you are both a part of the citizens climate lobby can you tell us how you heard about this organization and what made you want to get involved
1: sure so i have been involved for almost five years i started when i was in high school And I've always been kind of interested in the environment and um, climate change, but I didn't know a lot about it. Um, And so I started watching documentaries. I watched a bunch in the span of a week and kind of came to terms with how large the problem of climate change is. I wasn't taught enough about it in school. And through uh, one of the movies that I watched, I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio's Before the Flood. Mm -hmm. I, um, I went to the website, I found out how to get involved, and I first started with a similar group called Our Climate, who um, is kind of like a sister chapter to CCL. We have a similar mission, but theirs is more focused on educating students on carbon pricing as a whole. Um, And that group is how I found CCL, and I've been involved with them since.
2: Yeah, and I'll just add to that. Uh, I got involved through through Honka. She got she got started with them. I thought it was a, a kind of an amazing organization, and so um, it took me a little time. I had uh, some more work commitments at that point in time, but then later I got started as well, and and. Uh, So that's, that's my story.
0: So what exactly is Citizens Climate Lobby and
1: what is their mission? So um, our mission is to create political will for, uh, we call livable climate solutions. And we do that mostly by our main focus is going to Capitol Hill and lobbying our legislators. Um, It's, I'm actually not sure how many people involved but are involved but it's a few thousand of us that will go and we'll just spend a day or two in storm the hill and we try to have these productive friendly open conversations about climate with our legislators. Um, we use a bipartisan approach and we there's a strong emphasis on that because like I said we really want to maintain this open dialogue where legislators don't feel attacked, but they feel like they can come to us for any questions they have. And I think that's what sets us apart from other groups. Um, We've heard oftentimes that legislators will say, wow, you know, I kind of expected for you to come in here and, and yell at us, but that's not what we do. Our first step every meeting is to thank them for something that they've done, even if it can be hard to find something that we're thankful for. And I think that opens the door to many like productive, healthy conversations.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting and probably very productive strategy. For any listeners who aren't familiar with what exactly lobbying is, can you talk about what is involved when you go to Capitol Hill in our lobbying and what is the role of lobbying in our government?
1: So yeah, um, there are, I guess, two kinds of lobby groups, um, you could say. One is more like registered lobbyists. Um, It's, I guess, backed by an organization that might have a little more money. And then Mm -hmm. our side is an advocacy group that is mostly self-funded and uh, um, lots of different kinds of people. We have college-age students, we have elderly folks, um, and everyone in between. And I think it can be kind of hard heartening to see all of us come and we've bought our own plane tickets and we're really passionate Um, but lobbying is basically trying to convince your legislators to care about a particular issue that their constituents might want them to support Um, and so that is what we try to do Uh, we schedule meetings with as many people that will meet with us Um, sometimes it's with aides sometimes it's with senators or representatives Um, and we try as much as possible to lobby with people from their district so we can show that that their voters are the people that care, Um, and so it just kind of depends which district you're in. I've also lobbied outside of Georgia, but uh, we mainly do our lobbying uh, close to home.
0: I feel like sustainability and environmental issues tend to be political issues that mostly garner support from Democrats. And as you mentioned, CCL is very focused and has a huge emphasis on being bipartisan. Why do you think it's important for both Democrats and Republicans and independents and everyone else to come together and find solutions in the fight against climate change?
2: Sure. I I think that uh, climate change is obviously not a political issue. Uh, it's an it's an issue uh, that affects everyone equally on the you know really across the whole planet. Uh, so while it, you know maybe in the past we have had more movement uh, from folks on the progressive side or the left, I think there is a a, a strong movement on the right as well. Uh, they w- you know we uh, do really try to foster that um, bipartisan effort. One reason for that is because. If the bill that we are um, advocating for is uh, is if it is successful and it makes its way through Congress, then uh, and it has bipartisan support, it will it will have longevity. It'll have um, you know it won't be something that can be overturned quickly by an you know another administration or what have you. So that's important.
0: Can you talk about the bipartisan climate change solution that the group is currently? working to gather endorsements from members of Congress on?
2: Uh, well, I'll start, and she can really probably add a lot to it, but it's it's called the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act, EICDA. Um, it is a bill that proposes uh, a few things at the core. Um, basically, it proposes uh, putting a fee on fuels at their point of origin. Uh, that could be a well a mine or a port of entry uh, that fee is based on the carbon content of the fuel uh and it you know it may be in the range i think uh citizens climate lobby is really proposing like a starting fee of fifteen dollars uh for a ton of carbon uh, that is emitted when that fuel is burned um and then you know uh that fee would then increase steadily over time um probably annually it would be increase and that. Uh, that'll give businesses a sort of a predictable way to adjust what they're doing, uh, a pred- predictable time frame, and they can they can switch away from you know higher CO2 energy and and, and or insulate. Uh, do there's a million things that we can do you know, if we tie that um, that the the carbon content of those fuels to an economic to ec- economics. The fee that is collected for, on those fuels, the, the fifteen dollars uh, a ton, is then passed on to all Americans uh, as a dividend, and um, and because it's it's you know it's categorizes that it's really not a tax. It does not grow the you know the size of the government. Um, it's considered a dividend at that point. And that helps uh, folks pay for the increase in the cost of energy. Um, and then as another uh, aspect of this, this bill, um, there would be border adjustments that are levied on imports from other countries that don't have a similar system, essentially.
1: So like you said, it's a fee that steadily increases over time. It gets collected at the federal level and then distribu- distributed back um, equally to American households so that they'll be able to better prepare for uh, what a price on carbon looks like. They won't be shocked necessarily, and they can uh, have time to make sustainable changes in their life, like maybe start the process of switching to an electric vehicle. Um, So the revenue neutral part of it, uh, which is the dividend, really helps gather uh, conservative support, but also um, uh, public support. And... In addition to that, there's a few um, additional pieces that we've added over time after talking to representatives and hearing their feedback and what keeps them hesitant about supporting it. So one is a regulatory pause, meaning that when this goes into effect, um, I guess the EPA would be the administration that uh, oversees things like this. They could not add an additional tax on carbon As long as this looks like it will be effective in reaching our goals. Additionally, there is um, an exemption for military fuel and fuel used in agriculture. So this also helps protect our farmers and some of the more rural districts that might be concerned about something like this.
2: Right. There's, you know, it's predicted to um, add, you know, many millions of jobs uh, to the, you know, the economy. Uh, There'll be a lot of jobs that are going to be necessary to switch our infrastructure and what have you over to um, more more electric um, use um, you know because of the uh, the increasing the steadily increasing fees it's it's really predictable and manageable uh, by business so that makes it popular uh, I know that we just had the um, the uh, U- US Chamber of Commerce come out with a statement that they're you know they're in support of this uh, in principle um, so businesses like it it's um you know it's supposed to uh reduce greenhouse gases uh by 90% by 2050 so wow. uh, it's a large you know it's it's a it's a really large lever uh to bring to bear on you know on the issue um right it's uh there's you know i guess it's got equity considerations you know about um 70% of the households uh Will come out ahead. Uh, Folks that don't use as much energy as, let's say, a big, you know, a huge house, um, uh, they'll they will they will basically uh, have a a net increase. They'll get a few dollars more based on Mm. this dividend than they would uh, spend on their energy consumption. Uh, So it's 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 uh, it's equitable there. There's you know there's there's uh, justice is a climate justice is an important aspect. Uh, to the CCL folks. Um, Yeah. So there's, there's a number of benefits to this.
0: That's great to hear that climate equity is being included and focused on, because I know that's a very large conversation that's happening, especially with the new administration. And it's really amazing because it does seem like this could appeal to anyone on the political spectrum. I'm interested, what kind of feedback has the bill gotten so far and what are the next steps, or where is it at in the process of passing?
2: It was originally, I think, was introduced in um, in 2018. That was the 115th Congress, I think. I think so. Yeah. So uh, it was it it was introduced there and had a um, a, a Senate uh, companion legislation introduced, um, and then in the 116th, it was reintroduced as a as, as a bill called HR 763. And then uh, it has so there's there's a number of things you could talk about. There's a there's a um there's a caucus that was started, the Climate Solutions Caucus, uh that had uh, I guess members from, you know, they would have an equal uh equal membership from Republic, Republican and Democratic um sides of the of the aisle uh that were that were all um you know, I guess working in this area. And then uh, you're asking what, you know, what kind of response it's gotten. Um,
1: so this Congress is relatively new. So the bill or our idea of the bill hasn't yet been reintroduced, um, but we expect it to be introduced soon because the Biden administration says that climate is one of their priorities. Um, and, and they just passed the relief bill. And we have people that work more closely on the Hill that know more than we do about what it looks like, but uh, they're hypothesizing that it should be reintroduced in the Senate soon. Um, So our ask right now for our legislators when uh, we lobby, which this week is actually our lobbying week, um, is to be on the lookout for this bill and that carbon pricing is popular. They're getting the um, consensus that there's, well, the lack of consensus on uh, a specific specific climate action solution. So what I mean by that is they're not sure if Democrats as a whole or, or entire Congress want to support either carbon pricing or a different kind of uh, initiative, such as regulations or subsidies. So our ask is really to be on the lookout for carbon pricing as it's something that a lot of economist support. I think all previous chairs of the Federal Reserve have come out and supported. Um, so it does have a lot of promise. Um, so that is what we are looking out for right now.
0: You kind of hit on it a little bit, but how do you think the new administration is going to help advance your agenda and all of the work that you're doing, especially You mentioned there's a huge priority and a huge focus on climate related issues. We have a climate envoy now being John Kerry. So it definitely seems like this is becoming a much bigger focus and moving into the next few years.
1: Absolutely. So I know what the Biden administration is looking for is something that to the extent possible is bipartisan. Um, They are not trying to be um, any more polarizing. Um, And so I think this bill speaks to that and is a good example of that. Um, I also have the feeling that there's going to be maybe a climate bundle. Um, So regulation might be included in specific areas, maybe not carbon pricing, and then there might also be uh, more subsidies or something like that. But I am hopeful that carbon pricing will be discussed. Um, in in the next few weeks, um, and hopefully it, there's multiple carbon pricing mechanisms. Um, there's there's a carbon tax or carbon fee and dividend, and then there's cap and trade. But and both are pretty successful at reducing emissions. But I think CCL has determined that they uh, are more supportive of a carbon fee and dividend, so that is what we are most looking out for.
0: Wow. Well, that's really exciting that it's happening right now and it's something that we can really look to see action being made on in the next few weeks, as you mentioned, which is really amazing to hear. With the pandemic, have you had to move to any virtual experiences or how does lobbying work in the midst of a pandemic?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We, we have met with uh, our representatives on Zoom primarily. Uh, I don't think we've I don't think we've met in person with them at all. Um but that seems to work uh reasonably well. Uh we can have a Zoom call and um you know have multiple folks on there from in different parts of let's say a, a congressional district. Um and it 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 just works well. We we've adjusted just like everyone else has.
0: What have both of your experiences been like with lobbying? Is it something that makes you nervous at all or is it more exciting to get to talk to the representatives
1: you know when i started this i was extremely shy um of talking to anyone not let alone representatives um but i think ccl trains us pretty well to prepare for that um we have laser talks focused on our bill specifics and we have training where someone will pretend to be a member of congress and you practice on them so that we are prepared for the actual meeting and i've realized over time that they're just people and they're there to represent us so they're really willing to listen to us um, if if we start off by giving the impression that we're friendly and we're not there to attack them Um, i've had a lot of success on both sides of the aisle in that
2: right i'm I'm newer to doing this. I've only been on a couple of uh, lobby calls but um, I am I've been you know nervous to start but uh you know just like she says our our members are there to represent us and um, they've all turned out to be you know really um, very very nice people and uh, and easy to talk to you really.
0: That's a really great point that I think a lot of us maybe forget sometimes as we, Look at our officials as being these super high up powerful unapproachable people, but we have to remember that we elected them to represent us, so I think it's really a neat experience that you get to interact directly with them and. It's a good reminder that we need to stay connected with the people we actually elect rather than just voting them in and maybe forgetting about what they're actually doing. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I will just uh, uh, also mention that I think that this experience for me has been, you know, really very educational to, you know, to how to deal with my member of Congress, how to how to look them up and how to how to call them and how to, uh, you know, uh, establish a relationship with uh, different aides in their office. And um, uh, it's been been really good for me to learn a little bit more about my my democracy, my government.
0: What advice do you have for people on how they can seek out or find more information about their representatives?
2: If they want to do that through Citizens Climate Lobby, then uh, it's uh, simple to do uh, on, the, on the national website. Uh, there are some very, very easy steps. Uh, one of the things that uh, Citizens Climate Lobby has is a tool called the Monthly Calling Campaign. And uh, you can essentially just uh, look that up in Google and go to the web page and uh, type in your uh, your te- I guess your telephone number and your zip code essentially and it will determine your members of Congress based on your zip code and then it will give you a reminder, let's say once a month, uh, a text message on your phone to say, hey call your call your members and uh, tell them you're concerned about climate.
0: Yeah, I think that'd be something great for all of the listeners to do because, I personally don't know who all of my representatives are, but it's really important for us to know who those people are. So that's a good reminder to get out there and look up who your representatives are. Honka, you recently started a CCL chapter at Georgia Tech. What has that experience been like and how are you working with your fellow students to bring awareness to sustainability?
1: Right, so our college um, initiatives are relatively new, Uh, not only Georgia Tech, but I think CCL uh, campus chapters are new, newer, Um, and so we're trying to figure out how to navigate it, but I've had um, success because I found that a lot of people on my campus are really passionate about sustainability, regardless of their major. Um, So we have all different backgrounds in our chapter, and I'm trying to use that to my Advantage, because since we are more of a tech focused school, um, I think we have a lot of opportunity to to use those resources for uh, more project ideas. So right now we're trying to figure out how to do something with the energy burden problem in Atlanta, because um, Atlanta has one of the highest energy burdens and I think the southeast, if not in a larger area than that. Um, But it's it's really amazing to see all uh, my fellow peers interested in this topic because it it all it concerns us and our futures and um so so i've had a lot of success in it
0: yeah and for any listeners who aren't familiar with the state of georgia or the colleges i went to uga so we're technically rival schools <laughs> but i love to hear that both schools are having this huge interest in sustainability i know during my time at UGA, just in the four years that I was there, the interest in sustainability blew up over those four years. And there's so many young people who are passionate about sustainability. So it's great to hear that these groups are available and there for students to get involved and find these tangible ways that they can get involved in the sustainability field.
2: I would just say, I think that um, not only as, as is the students interest you know blown up like you say but i think the programs are now really maturing i know that uh uga has a program i think economics uh, environmental economics i believe um yeah
0: that's what i got my major yeah. in actually
2: all right and <laughs> yep. another uh, another student uh, the other day and then um at uh georgia tech they have um sustainable you know they have a, they have several different um, versions of that. There's certificates, and there's, um, you know, they have a, a, a uh, the Racy Anderson Foundation has a has a building there with, you know, it's a it's quite a quite a serious program with these these, these schools.
1: Right, and it's very interdisciplinary. Um, my brother is hoping to go there to study sustainable business at the Racy Anderson Center for Sustainable Business. That's there um and i also did a fellowship with them and then we we just have so many programs across campus i know my dad has been really interested in the georgia drawdown program which uh, my club member is um or my club sponsor is leading that initiative and maybe he can speak to that a little bit
2: uh sure well it's dr brown who sponsored your uh chapter your ccl C- 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 chapter at georgia tech And, uh, she is, uh, part of a program that I guess is tailoring the, uh, lessons from the book drawdown by Paul Mm -hmm. Hawkins, uh, to uh, sort of at the state level and figuring out what the best, let's say the top 20 items, you know, the 20 things that we can work on, um, specific to Georgia, what those are. And, um, and I guess it's the first in the country, I believe. And so other states are, I think, looking to, to, do a similar, to do similar things and figure out what you know what is the most important thing that they can do in, in each individual state.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely encourage any listeners who are interested in finding out more about Drawdown. That book is a really great resource and tool. And it's very interesting to learn about all of the different sustainability solutions out there. And I'm interested, Honka, I hear from a lot of people our age whose parents might not necessarily understand the importance of sustainability. So I think it's really amazing that as father and daughter that you are both interested in sustainability and in finding solutions in the fight against climate change. What is it like working together as a father and daughter to fight climate change?
1: It is very motivating. Um, it always keeps me going and um, I've had a lot of fun. I was very excited to see my dad uh, join this initiative and not just join it, but full force, go for it. He's now a chapter leader, like he said. And um, it's. I feel very lucky that my family um, supports me in this because it has in the past been a seemingly political or polarized issue even though it does affect everyone and i think there's starting to be growing consensus around that but um i do feel very lucky that they are so supportive
2: yeah i'll just add to that i uh i think that i have jumped in with both feet and i would suggest that Hanka is probably annoyed with me sending her you know <laughs> sending her messages says, Hey, did you read this or read that or listen to this podcast? So, uh, you know, I'm on her all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're both very, very passionate. Yes, we are. That's great. I'm so happy to hear that there are full families out there who are working together on sustainability. That's really gives me a lot of hope. And I wanted to ask kind of transitioning from that question, what advice would you give to other families or other fathers and daughters, mothers and daughters, siblings who want to fight climate change together?
1: So I guess I could answer this question in a number of ways, but um, CCL every month has guest speakers that talk about a variety of things related to climate, um, particularly psychology. And that really helps us to have these open conversations with people who may not feel the same ways as we do. Um, Not only our representatives, but family members at Thanksgiving or our neighbors. And um, it really helps when you can think about how one of the trainings specifically talked about how conservatives and liberals tend to have different value priorities. And that doesn't necessarily mean that one is right or wrong or better than the other. It's just different things that are important to us. So actually, um, Jonathan Haidt developed something called the moral foundations theory that um, picked out five values that liberals and conservatives tend to care about, but um, certain sides more than others. So the, the five uh, values were harm, fairness, in-group loyalty, authority, and purity, and conservatives um, rated in-group loyalty, authority, authority, and purity higher than liberals did. And vice versa, liberals uh, prioritized harm and fairness. So he uh, suggested on one of our monthly calls to really think about how you can appeal to those values. So, for instance, in-group loyalty might mean for liberals, it might mean we really care about um, subsidizing certain things so that people can have equal access to health care or anything. But that's a wide group of people. And oftentimes, conservatives might tend to focus more on people in smaller like communities, people that are close to them. And so um, for instance, one way to bring climate into that dialogue is instead of talking about climate-related disasters that happen far, far away, you can talk about um, more immediate climate effects, like uh, we like to talk about how the blueberries um, in Georgia have been affected by rising temperatures and other climate-related issues. And when you can bring that to either your member of Congress or um, me talking to my neighbor about trout spawning seasons and how they're shorter, um, you you can turn those dialogues into something more productive and relate it to things that they might care about more. So it takes practice. Um, it might be hard in the beginning, but I think that has helped me had have more productive conversations with all kinds of people. It is the one thing I feel comfortable talking to literally anybody about.
2: I would uh, I would just say um, it's nice to have to share a passion for something. Um, my son, I think, was has been thinking about uh, finance, and so I have you know worked with him on that a little bit. We've, we, uh, as part of this sustainability process, we shifted some of our, our finances over to a, uh, a, a company that focuses on ESG or ESG investing. Mm-hmm. And so we've sort of tried to align, align that. And, uh, it was part of, a, an internship that he was, you know, involved in. So I I'd like to be present in my kids' lives on, on anything that they're passionate about, you know, so that's, that's really why I'm are a big part of what I what I'm doing here.
0: I love that and I think it's really important what you talked about Honka is that pretty much climate change is going to affect everyone but we just have to find that one point that's going to hit home for someone and I just think that is a really really great piece of advice is that I think a lot of times maybe people are so passionate about sustainability or so passionate about fighting climate change that If someone doesn't agree with them right off the bat, they might become infuriated or more on the offensive. But if we can just find a way to relate to everyone around us and talk about it in a civil way, I think we're going to get so much further in the fight against climate change. Where can listeners find more information about CCL and possibly find a chapter near them?
2: Uh, so I think uh, the easiest way is just to go to Google and put in Citizens Climate Lobby and then it should, I would think be the first the first link that you get there, um, or one of the first few links. And on the main page, uh, there are a number of uh, sort of sections there. Um, there under the About section is a lot of great information, really good reading for the beginning steps if you're trying to just understand what what they're you know what they're about and then um in that section uh is a, is a somewhere there on the on that section is a uh link that says chapters and so if you click on the uh, the link that says chapters it will take you to a page that shows a map with a bunch of chapters and also uh, a directory where you can find your 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 specific chapter uh, there are almost 600 chapters now uh, across the world. And uh, wow. so it's grown, you know, grown quickly. I think uh, close to 200,000 folks now, uh, citizens. And um, so there's a chapter for everybody there. It's international. There's, they're in uh, many, many countries all over the world. And uh, so there are, there are chapters for everyone.
1: And I will say you don't have to have any experience um, if you're interested, like I had absolutely none. When I started working for Our Climate, I had an interview with my boss and he said, what do you know about carbon pricing? And I said, nothing. I'm just scared. <laughs> and I, I mean, I've worked from there. But um, Citizens Clim- Climate Lobby has all kinds of people. Um, so, yeah, don't feel nervous. When
2: you start out yeah one other thing I'll mention is that uh, because it's a pretty it's a you know large organization at this point um, there are a um, large number of sort of sub uh, areas they call them action teams and so if you are focused on business, there is a, a business action team and that is then further broken down by many industries. Um, for example, you know there's one that's focused on IT and they have folks out there who are lobbying the group in Silicon Valley and uh, have got a lot of traction with really large companies out there that are, you know, all of the big, you know, big IT companies. Uh, healthcare, it doesn't matter what industry, they they have a group that is focused on that. There's groups that are focused on, uh, you know, uh, that are religious, have a religious, uh, you know, leaning to them. There are groups that are focused on, uh, you know, working with your municipal government, uh, with your school board, uh, you know, there are, there are many, many different uh, action teams that, that can align you with other folks that are interested in a specific area.
1: Right, and if you're in a minority group, um, there are also opportunities for that. I think we translated all of our materials into Spanish and we're working on other language. So we're trying to be more diverse and inclusive um so there's opportunities to get involved in one of those subgroups as well.
0: I'll be sure to share the link to the main page in the show notes so everyone can check that out and find out more information. As we come to the close here, as a lot of people already know, the last question is coming, but I wanted to ask what you both are hopeful about.
1: Um so I will start and say that I am hopeful, um I have a few quotes to share. Uh, The first one is action is the antidote to despair by Joan Baez. And it's one of my favorite quotes. And that is what keeps me hopeful. Um, Being part of a large organization, uh, one that's larger than myself, um, surrounded by so many positive, hopeful people that care about sustainability, like I do, gives me hope and keeps me going. And you know, I'm doing the most that I can while I'm here. And and that makes me feel hopeful, comfortable. And I do have one more quote from CCL um, that says, There are a lot of change to ways to change the world. This is ours. There are a lot of ways to express frustration. This is ours. There are a lot of ways to make democracy work. This is ours. Mm, I like that.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's a great quote. So for me, uh, sort of along the same lines, I'm hopeful for democracy, you know, working as it is intended to. Um, I think for you know grassroots, really, uh, you know, this engagement uh, to grow and help build consensus around this issue. I think it's an important one, and we've got to focus on uh, uh, making the world, uh, you know, a livable place for uh, for our future generations. So I'm hopeful for democracy working working like it should
0: yes definitely well i'm very impressed by the level of preparation for the questions so (laughs) that's the first time i've had people really ready to go for that question so that's awesome but ken and honka thank you so much for sharing all about citizens climate lobby it was very interesting to learn more about the organization and the importance of lobbying so i think a lot of people can take away some great pieces of information from this episode. So thank you so much for both taking the time to be on the podcast today.
2: Thank you very, very much. We really appreciate it. You You do great work. Yes.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.